Well, hey, good morning, everybody. How we doing? Everybody doing good? Uh, I'm pumped uh, for part three of this series, a part three of To Be Continued. Uh, and in this series, uh, we're looking at the early church, uh, and specifically, uh, the early church, if you don't know, those are the believers who are around after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And we're looking at them, and specifically the things that they did that need to be continued, the, the things that we need to do. It's natural that the further you get away from, from anything, there's going to be a little bit of drift. It's like when you play telephone as a kid and you go around the room and it starts out with a little phrase and then it comes back and it's like, how did we get there, right? That's, it's just natural. The more people that it goes through, the further away it gets from the original message, uh, there's going to be some drift that just kind of naturally happens. I remember, I don't know why I remember this, but I remember in uh, kindergarten, Apparently, this, I had some high confidence in kindergarten, right? Uh, but uh, we played telephone, and I remember saying, I'm the bomb. I'm the bomb, All right? I'm the bomb. Again, high confidence as a kindergartner, right? Uh, and it got to the end, and it was, Logan has a bomb. And my teacher was not very uh, happy about that, right? But hey, the, the further you get away from something, uh, the more drift there tends to be. And in this series, what we're really looking at are the things we cannot afford to drift away from. And before we go into what we've covered the past two weeks, I just want to pause and say, hey, uh, we gave these out on week one. How are we doing on reading the book of Acts? Are you making progress on this book? All right. I see a lot of people not making eye contact with me, all right? All right, so here's the deal. You got this, all right? Hey, uh, some of you guys, you're like, I've been moving along. I see you smiling. You're like, I'm moving along great. Things are going good. Keep it up. Don't stop. Some of y'all, you might be a little bit behind right now. Don't quit. You can do this. Now, some of y'all, uh, and these are my people, if I'm just being real, you took a book on week one, and it's done nothing but collect dust in your living room somewhere, all right, or in the office or whatever. You, you haven't even opened it. Shame on you. That is the Lord's work. No, hey, hey, here's the deal. I've been there. I've been there. Uh, if that's you, no shame, no guilt, hey, take five minutes, open up the word of the Lord, and get into it. It does not have to be pretty, but just start. You can't improve what you're not doing. You got to get into the word. You got to start. So, hey, wherever you're at, if you've already started, keep going. If you haven't started, get started. We need to get into the word of God. Uh, when we started this series, uh, the first subject matter we talked about was discipleship. Uh, discipleship and growing to be more like Jesus, it's a process. We're going to have our ups and we're going to have our downs. But when you are all in on Jesus, you will see him do a work in your life. And now here's the thing. It might not be as fast as you want, but he's going to get it done. He's going to be the one who brings you across in that journey. And last week we looked at community, how the early church, they met daily. The early church met daily. Now, uh, it wasn't just a Sunday gathering. That was a part of it. But following Jesus, that was a way of life. They would pray, teach, encourage, serve, and feed one another. It said that uh, there was no one with an unmet need in their group. And today, we're going to look at a topic um, that, honestly, you see all throughout the early church. You see it all throughout the Gospels. You see it all throughout just Scripture. Um, and I think uh, we're quick to dismiss it from our everyday lives. It's one of those topics that it makes some people feel uneasy because uh, depending on kind of where you grew up or depending on what kind of background you're familiar with in, in Christianity, uh, people run from it because to some people this is everything. It's everywhere. And then to other people it's, it's nowhere. And what I want us to do, 
what I want us to do every single week is we're going to continue to get our cues from Scripture. Uh, not from the tradition that we grew up in, not from the people that are around us, not from people who look like us, not people who don't look like us. We're going to get our cues from God's Word. And so as we get ready to open up the Word of God, let's get our hearts ready. Would you put your hands out, palms up, just like this, just a posture of surrender. Close your eyes. Take a deep breath. And remember that God is just as near as the air that you're breathing. God, would you guide us closer to you today? Help our minds uh, put away the frustrations of this past week. Uh, Help us to put away the distractions of the coming week. We want to fully focus on you. We come empty with nothing to offer but surrender. Fill us up as only you can. Holy Spirit, move in here today with power. We believe that you will do that in advance. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. Hey, today we're going to be looking at the early church and miracles. The subject matter is miracles, all right? About to get real crazy in here, (laughs) y'all. That was was a joke, but some of y'all were like, I don't know what kind of church this is. Maybe I don't want to be here right now. Hey, Depending on your background, that might make you a little uncomfortable. The truth is this. The early church saw God do the impossible. And not only did they see it, I think there's lots of instances where the early church expected the spirit of God to move in miraculous ways. And the series is about the things we need to continue. So should we seek to see God do miracles? Can I get uh, the answers? Yes. All right. I'm going to be some loud and proud. I'm going to ask the question again, but I want you to help me out here. Uh, should we seek for God to do miracles? Yeah. We can do better than that. All right. We can do better. Let's go. Should we seek for God to do miracles? Yeah. There we go. Wake up. Absolutely. I want to start by saying this. We're going to come give some qualifiers, but I'm going to do that at the end, all right? I want to start by saying very clearly, uh, nothing is impossible. God, Luke 1.37 says, for with God, nothing will be impossible. I just want to start that as our baseline. That's from Scripture. With God, nothing will be impossible. And I Uh, A miracle still happened, but I think what we tend to do as humans, and this is a natural thing, uh, is we tend to go to the extremes. We tend to go to the the far ends of the spectrum. And those are the kind of people we've talked about. Have you met that person? They they see everything as a miracle, right? That's over here. And then you got the person over here who sees nothing as a miracle. The person who sees everything as a miracle, they're really fun to meet, right? Like, they think it's a miracle how the garbage man was 10 minutes late, and they forgot to put out their trash bin the night before, and they were able to get it out in the morning before the garbage man got there. That's, praise God, that's a miracle, right? All right? Everything in that person's life is miraculous. And if everything's special, then guess what? Nothing is, right? Uh, and, and now, if I wanted to pick a camp, if I was going to be on an end, I want to be on that one, right? At least these people are seeing God in everything. That's good. Might be over-spiritualizing the trash man sleeping in a little bit, but at least God's a part of their life. And then over here on this end, you got these group of people, and they see nothing as a miracle. It's all planning, wisdom, strategy, advances in science and medicine. Uh, it's not a miracle. It's a well-informed plan. Uh, they can see an amazing move of God and explain it away with logic and reason. And life would be really easy, and this is not just this, but in anything, if we could just pick an extreme and stay there. It's all a miracle or nothing's a miracle. If we could just do that, it would be really, really easy. There's no tension there. 
Uh, but there's something kind of beautiful when you have to dance in the t- tension between everything's a miracle and nothing's a miracle because God does do miracles. That's kind of where this is. And, and uh, you do work your tail off, and sometimes that brings results, right? Like there's, there's both. And that's what I want us to wrestle with today. We're going to look at miracles in the book of Acts and see that tension. Is this something that was all God or was there something to do with man? What happened here? So in the book of Acts, there's 29 recorded moments of miracles in the book of Acts. That's the official count, all right? People way smarter than me came up with that number. And I I take a little bit of an exception to the official count being 29 because there's moments where it says miracles are happening, uh, but it's recorded in one passage. For example, in Acts 28, it says this, uh, they just uh, landed here with the ship or or shipwrecked here. It says the whole shore where they landed uh, was an estate belonging to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us and treated us kindly for three days. As it happened, his father was ill with fever and dysentery. Like the Oregon Trail, all right? Uh, Paul went in and prayed for him. Laying hands on him, he healed him. All right, he went in and he healed him. And then all the other sick people on the island came and were healed. As a result, we were showered with honors, and the time came to sail. They supplied us with every need for the trip. Paul prayed for this man's father. He laid hands on him, and his father was healed. And then it says they heard about it, and all the other people on this island came and were healed. And the official, ca- the official tally of miracles, that counts as one mir- miraculous moment, all right? I think all those individual people who got healed would be saying, uh, those were miracles, not miracle, all right? That's, that's plural, not singular. But in the book of Acts, you see all these different things happening. The official counts 29, but it's so much more than that. You see people healed. Uh, and as you read through the book, you're going to see you see people healed. You see houses shaking. You see visions uh, that are just crazy. You see jailbreaks and earthquakes. You see um, and blindings. I didn't say unblindings. I said blindings, right? All right. You see the uh, Apostle Paul have his uh, conversion. It's a crazy one. You see deaths. You see people that lie about uh, things and God strikes them dead, right? That's crazy, all right? Uh, you see resurrections. You see people get bit by snakes and they don't have poison, all right? Uh, no, there's no snake being back there, right? We ain't going to do that, all right? And you see so many salvations. You see so many people come to faith in the in uh, the book of Acts. So many people. You see the Spirit of God move in a powerful, powerful way. And I've got three passages that I've just kind of picked out from the book of Acts that uh, I think you see the God, you see the Spirit of God move in a powerful way, uh, and you see how they experience it, but you see where the source of their power was. What the source of the power was. Acts 14.3 says this, uh, the apostles stayed there a long time preaching boldly about the grace of the Lord, and the Lord proved their message. The Lord proved their message was true by giving them power to do miraculous signs and wonders. Proved their power by doing miraculous signs and wonders. Uh, Acts 6 8 says, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. Acts 1 8, you guys probably heard this one before. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and in Samaria to the ends of the earth. Every single one of those points to not the power of man, but to the power of God. It says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Stephen, it says, a man full of God's grace and power. And it says they were there preaching about God's grace. 
The power wasn't in themselves. The power was in God. Every single one of them is pointing to the power of God, and it was for, I want to make sure we get this, the purpose of God. It wasn't for them. It was for God's purpose. Uh, Tim Keller, uh, he, he started a church called Redeemer Presbyterian up in New York City. Uh, he just passed away this year. He is like, um, except for being bald, I want to be like Tim Keller, right? He's an awesome dude, right? Just a stud theologian. And uh, this is what he said when it came to miracles. And it's just something like, you ever read a quote and you're like, man, that got me going. This got me going. It says, miracles, not, miracles lead not simply to cognitive belief, but to worship, to awe and wonder. Jesus' miracles in particular were never magic tricks designed to impress or coerce. Instead, Jesus used miraculous power to heal the sick, to feed the hungry, and raise the dead. And he says, why? He goes on, we think, and I think this is us, we think of miracles as the suspension of the natural order. We think of miracles as a suspension of the natural order. Jesus meant for them to be a restoration of the natural order. A restoration of the natural order. That, that makes my heart jump. We think of healings, we think of miracles as a suspension of the natural order. Jesus sees them as the restoration of the natural order. Oh, how I want things to be restored to Jesus' way. I want things to be the way that God intended them to be. If we want things to be restored to God's way, we need to seek God to move. We need to seek God to move. There's another, uh, he's still living with this, another bald theologian, all right? His name is Wayne Grudem, uh, and he says this, there is nothing, there is nothing inappropriate in seeking miracles for the proper purposes for which they are given by God. And he gives four purposes that miracles have been given by God. Uh, to confirm the truthfulness of the gospel message. All right, they're going to affirm the gospel. Right? To bring help to those in need. He's going to help people. To remove hindrances to people's ministries and to bring glory to God. Let me get some overlap on that last one if I follow them. But to, bring, to confirm the truthfulness of the gospel, to help those in need, to remove hindrances of ministry, and to bring glory to God. There is nothing inappropriate in seeking miracles for the purposes for which they have been given by God. Kind of looking at that, looking at the book of Acts, uh, there's just a question that kind of has been sitting on my heart, and I, and I, th I think it's, it's there for all of us, is when was the last time you sought for God to do a miracle? When was the last time you said, Jesus, I need you to... And however you filled in that blank, like, you had no control over. I have, I have no way of making it happen. God, I need you to do this. The only way this has happened is if it was a miracle. And, and if we're honest, I think there's a lot of us as Jesus followers, we would say, I believe God can do miracles. I believe God does miraculous things. But our lives and our, our prayers don't reflect that at all. Like, God can do anything. Nothing is impossible for God. And somebody's like, what about that? Oh, that? No, no, no. That's never going to change. That ain't, that'll, that'll never happen. How many followers of Jesus live like that? Church, this should not be this way. We need to believe and expect God to show up and move in powerful, miraculous ways. We need to. It's not inappropriate to do that. Does believing God can move guarantee that he will? No. 
It, there's no guarantees that he will. But not believing certainly can prevent it. It is faith that honors God. Now, some of you guys hear this, uh, and when you hear faith, you start to go, I'm not sure about this, right? I'm starting to sound like some name it and claim it guy, all right? I, I'm not about that. Uh, and hey, we have to reject any theology that places an emphasis on us, all right? That's a bad theology because uh, theology is about God. It, it ain't about us. Faith doesn't make miracles happen. Jesus makes miracles happen. The Holy Spirit makes miracles happen. God the Father makes miracles happen. So when you see someone who is crying out for God to move in a miraculous way and it doesn't happen, it isn't because they don't have enough faith. I don't know if you've ever heard that. Well, if you just had faith, God would. No, 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 no. The emphasis is not on us. The emphasis is on God and we can trust him. And that people that say that, oh, if you just had faith, it comes from this passage uh, here in Mark uh, 9, 23. It says this, and uh, a little bit of backstory. Uh, this is a dad. He's got a son who is uh, possessed by a demon. He's got an, e an evil spirit in him. That's what it says. And this father asked Jesus, he says, uh, he said, hey, can you make my son well? Can you do it if you can? Like, if you can do it, if you possess the abilities to do it, would you help him out? And here's what Jesus says. What do you mean if I can, Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. All right, there's a demon-possessed boy. Father asked Jesus if he could cast out the demon. And Jesus is like, let me offer you a little correction. If I can, um, yeah, I got this. And then he gives him an encouragement. He says, anything is possible uh, if a person believes. And it wasn't if the person believes in themselves. He's talking about if the person believes that he can do it. And then Jesus goes and he casts out this evil spirit from the boy. That's, that's what it says there. And I think some of us would say, was the father's faith enough? Like he didn't even ask, he was not like, you got this, God. He was like, if you can. Yes, the, the father's faith was enough because he asked Jesus. It's not about us. It's about our God who is mighty to save, full of power and wonder. It's not about the faith being great in us. It's about having the faith to take a step. That father wasn't certain in what he was doing, but he still asked Jesus. He still asked Jesus. Um, there's something to be said about taking that step even when you're not certain. And God, I need you to move, but I don't know what to do. But I'm just asking you because I don't know what else to do. I don't know what else to do. In John uh, 2, uh, we see Jesus perform his first uh, miracle. This is the start of his, his ministry. First miracle that he does. And I think it actually illustrates this principle very, very well. So in John 2, I'm going to start in verse 3. I'm going to read this handful of verses here, and then we're going to unpack this. It says, uh, the wine supply ran out during the festivities. They're at a wedding. Jesus is not, uh, he's not uh, or doing the, he's not officiating the wedding. He's not doing anything. He's just sitting there. He's a part of the wedding. Uh, they, ran out of, they ran out of wine at the wedding. Big problem, all right? Uh, they have no more wine. Uh, and that's what Jesus has told, Jesus' mother told them. They have no more wine. Verse four, dear woman, that's not our problem. My time has not yet come. All right, if you ain't Jesus, don't look at your mom and say, dear woman, that's not my problem, okay? Uh, but his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. 
Do whatever he tells you. Standing nearby, it says there were six, six stone water jars. Each one of those six could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some of it out and take it to the master of the ceremonies. Take it to the, the, party, the head of the party planning committee, all right? Go ahead and hand that to him. They, they, and ser- the servants, they followed his instructions. And when the master of ceremonies tasted that, uh, the water that was now wine, not knowing he had no idea where it came from, uh, although the servants knew, he called over the, the bridegroom and said, hey, a host always serves the best wine first. Because then once they've had a little bit to drink, right, uh, they give them the less expensive wine and nobody knows. But you, you have kept the best until now. Jesus' first miracle was turning water to wine, to, to fine wine. It wasn't just wine. It was the good stuff, all right, the best they had all night. He turned water from the jars into wine. Now, when I hear jars, I usually think, like, my mind goes, the small mason jar, uh, the jars they had were way, way bigger than that, 20 to 30 gallons. There was six of them. So that's anywhere from 120 to 180 gallons of water. Let's split the difference. We'll call it 150. 150 gallons of water. Now, for me, I'm kind of a visual learner, so when I, when I think of that much water, I start to think of what can I, what I think of. So I think of a five-gallon bucket. Imagine. All right, they don't have a tap here. They got to go to the well. They got to get the water. Imagine you got a five-gallon bucket, and you have to bring it back, fill it all the way with five gallons, 30 times to fill up the jars. Or you had to carry six 20-gallon jars to the well, right, to fill that up. Bring those huge jars back loaded. It's not an easy trip. That's, that's a lot of water to get in those jars. The servants obeyed what Jesus said, and they filled up the jars. The first miracle Jesus ever did, and the servants still had to go fill the jars. It wasn't impossible for them to fill the jars up with water. It was some work. Like, like they had to sweat a little bit to make that happen. They still had to go do it. Their faith wasn't in the jars, and their faith wasn't in the water. Their faith was in the words of Jesus and Jesus' instruction to them. They obeyed what Jesus said. We need to do the natural and trust God with the supernatural. If they don't fill the jars, there's no water to wine because there's no water. If they don't fill the jars, there's no miracle. Is it possible Is it possible that that you aren't seeing God move the way that you'd like in your life because you haven't filled the jars? Emphasis is not on us or our faith. The emphasis is on God and his power. We need to be faithful in our part. We've got to fill the jars. But we trust God to do the miracles. He's the one who changes things for us. And you guys might be sitting there saying, What does it look like to fill the jars of my life? And and it could be different in every circumstance without a doubt. But I got to tell you, I think the most common way we don't fill the jar is by simply not having the faith to ask. Not having the faith to ask. 
to ask God to move in your lives because we're afraid that if we ask, he might not answer. We're afraid that if we ask, our hopes might get up and things might not go the way we want. And, and I get that. There's no guarantees on this earth that God's going to answer the prayers the way that you want. But what if, what if he did answer the prayer? And what if he didn't answer it the way you want? What if he answered it even better than the way you want? What if he did even more? We are so quick to play the what if game with ourselves and with our faith with God, but in a negative way. What if we played that what if game with God in a positive way? What if God did more than you can imagine? Church, uh, the early church expected God to move in miraculous ways. We need to continue that. And that's what I want to call you to do uh, right now. I've got some people that are going to help me out. They're going to pass out some, some index cards. Um, they're going to look like this. I've got one right here. This is mine. Need a couple more hands to pass those out. They gotta, they gotta, everybody's going to get one of these. Uh, in your seat, there's a, there's a pin. I made sure there's a pin in every single seat. So if I don't see you with one of these and one of these, I'm about to call you out, all right? Hey, and here's what we're going to do. I want every person in here to write down a prayer that you want answered. A prayer that if you're honest, you would say, the only way this is happening, I'm not, not, not no weak, wimpy prayers, the only way that this is happening is if God does a miracle. The only way this is happening is if God moves in power. If the Holy Spirit changes the situation, it heals somebody, it moves relationships, the only way this prayer happens is by a miracle of God. You can write down as much detail as you want, as little detail as you want. You can sign your name to it. You don't have to sign your name to it. I want you to write down a prayer that's only going to be answered by a miracle. It needs, the only way this happens is if a miracle happens. And when you have one, what I want you to do, and we're going to wait on one another. We've got some of the, the kids' team, they've already wrote some down. And I just want to make a giant pile right here of all of these prayers, all these miracles, these things that we're asking God to do. So whenever you've got that written down, whenever you're ready, just come up, put it up here. We're going to make a, a big pile on the stage. Don't play it safe. One of the best ways to fill the jars is to ask God to move. To seek God to do the things that only he can do. So when you have that, no need to be shy. I'm going to wait on everybody. You're going to have plenty of time. Come and throw that up here right at the front. We got plenty of time. We will wait for one another. Just a, a prayer on there that 
God, we're filling up the jars. We want to see you move. We want to see you do amazing things. Anybody needs another minute, just throw up that card for a second so I can see it. I don't want to rush anybody. If there's somebody who still wants to drop something off, still coming in, just a handful more. Anybody else need another minute? Okay. A few more. How does it feel? Still got a few more finishing it up. How does it feel knowing that this, this list of prayers, there is nothing that we can do to make these happen. These only happen by a move of God. This right here. And, and if we're honest, when was the last time you prayed a bold prayer like that? Too often we keep it safe. We don't want to pay, pray big prayers. Hey, we got to fill the jars. God will turn the water into wine. We got to fill the jars with the water. One of the ways we do that is by bringing those to him. Looks like everybody's got them dropped off. You guys are going to get your cardio in today. Here's what we're going to do. I want everybody to stand up. Come up here, grab a card that is not yours, all right? And take it back to your seat. Come and grab a card that is not yours and bring it back to your seat. Once you have that card, I know we still got a few more coming to grab one. I want you to take that card. If you're at your seat, I want you to look at it. Look at what somebody else says. This would be a miracle for me if this happened. This is a miracle if this happened. Let me get one too. Hmm. Would you just read that and just take couple minutes and, and pray for that prayer. Pray for that prayer request. Pray for that miracle that somebody in this room is looking for. Would you just take a moment and do that?
my card here, it says, uh, lead my children and their father to a relationship with you. I don't know who this is, but you got me cutting onions up here, okay? Uh, I'm believing God can do that. I'm believing he will do that. Would you do this for me? Would everybody just raise that card up in the air? Uh, and, and let's just pray. Uh, I'm going to pray for us all together, but let's, let's hold that card loud and proud. That's somebody's miracle that you're going on their behalf to the Father for. God, I pray for every card that is raised. I pray for every request that is in this room. I pray that you would move in power, God, that we wouldn't just pray weak prayers. God, we would expect you to move. I pray for this family that uh, she wants her children and her, her, uh, her children's father to love you, God, to have a relation with you. I pray that you would do that today, God, that the Holy Spirit would move in a powerful way, that they would come to know you as their Savior. God, we, we hold these cards up because we're desperate. We don't have anything we can bring to the equation but to fill up the jars, God. That we, that's what we're doing. We're praying, asking you to move because it's not about us. We can't do it. We're leaning on you. God, we're expecting you to move in a mighty, powerful way. God, we believe you do miracles. Would you move with power? over these requests we bring to you. And all God's people said, amen. We got two more weeks of this series, two more Sundays. You're gonna take this card and you're gonna pray for this sucker every day for the next two weeks, amen? Right, we're gonna do that. And can you imagine, with all of the faith in the room, what God will do if we pray to him faithfully. Can you imagine? Anything is possible. So hey, if you believe that, let's stand and let's worship together.